0: We're grateful, we're so grateful for this uh, quarter of a century of ministry that we got to do together, and I just publicly want to say there's no way, there's no way I could have ever um, survived without the support and the love and the encouragement and the faith of this lady right here. She's amazing. I mean, just amazing, so... So we're a great team together. I, we're all very very surprised, so thank you so much for doing this. yeah we're just I love hey before you we go, we need a light moment. Uh, maybe you could do that imitation that you do. <laughs> you know you know this my wife does imitations so. what? <laughs> y'all remember in oh, I got I got snot running out my nose hang <laughs> on. y'all remember in The Wizard of Oz when the Good Witch, Is it the good witch Glinda? Glinda. Yeah Glinda, The Good witch. The uh-huh. good witch Glinda. Says goodbye. She <clears throat> okay. does this perfectly for our grandchildren. Maybe she'd do it for us today. Give us your best Galinda imitation. Here we go. Goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Is that perfect? <laughs> so talented, so good, so great. Hey, if you're new uh, here, man, we, we are just so glad you picked today to come. The church, I want to say hello to everybody watching online. My mom watches online. We have people all over the world watching online. We have a girl in um, Germany that watches us online. And so we're, we're so grateful for the online audience there that comes. And, uh, and for those at our Missouri City campus, I know Terrace is there today, and you celebrated baptism, and, and so many new people coming there. So, man, thank you for being there. And then our West End, Abe Montos is down there, says it went great today. We did this little different thing. I just want to say thank you to our tech team, Jack Hatting and... Uh, and Travis, and Joseph, and Stefan, and all the volunteers that made this happen. This could have been a great train wreck. And in fact, it still could be. We don't really know what happened at Missouri City and West End. It could have been a complete disaster today. So it's great. Let's give our tech team a big round of applause. <laughs> Clayton, Clayton is down at Missouri City. I'm sorry, I've got a running note. I'm sure I got the COVID, y'all. So uh, <laughs> come give me a big kiss after this, will ya? So, hey, hey, we've been talking about fitness, and um, I really like what Jim Gibson had to say in the video. He said, uh, there's no perfect church, and it certainly includes ours, and I, I just wanted to appreciate, I, I think we picked Amazing Grace as the hymn that we started out with, in uh, Jim Gibson's home, because we all need grace, you know? Grace is getting what you don't deserve, and boy, for 25 years, y'all have given me so much more than I've ever deserved, and so much grace, and I, think, I thank God for it, and uh, and I was just thinking when we started the church, we had no hopes of success, really. I'm such a pessimist, and I just said, God, let us fail quickly. Uh, I had have, I have four children, you know, I had absolutely no money, and uh, some good people showed up uh, and helped us get started financially, and, um, and we just didn't know. But we said, you know what, we can't really predict whether the church is going to be successful or not, but we can predict whether it's going to be healthy or not. So let's have a healthy church, and if healthy things grow, maybe our church would reach and be effective and grow. So, so we want to make sure that we understand what really church is all about, you know? And uh, now church, what we understand, you, d- you got up this morning, and from one of our three campuses, you said, hey, let's go to church, and you went to a location and a place, but that's not the church, you know that. It's about the people. You, you've seen this, right? This with my grandkids, you know? Here's the church, and- Here's the steeple, right? Open the doors, and there's all the people. You know what I mean? When you're a granddad, you can do stuff like that. You know, there's all the people. And so... It's about the people. In the first century, when the church started, after the resurrection, man, it was about a movement. It wasn't about facilities. It wasn't about a location. It was a movement. It was the spreading of a good news that God had come to man, and that there was a way to be forgiven, and that there was a way for us to have a relationship with our creator. There's a way for us to have an abundant life here on earth that's filled with rich purpose and meaning and significance, and that our life here on earth, however long or short it may be, would count and make a difference. Not Just for ourselves, but in the eternal realm, in the eternal world, in the kingdom of God. So, the question that we ask from the beginning when you're talking about church health is this question. And the question is, what is the purpose of the church? I mean, why do we exist? I mean, not, not. not just the church. I mean, you're the church and I'm the church. So what's your purpose in life? I mean, this is the idea is if you can't answer this question, if you don't really understand why you're here and why God created you and why you're on this planet, you'll be mistaken to believe that this, this experience you're having as a living being is for you. And you'll lose the sense that there's a higher calling on your life and on my life and on all of our life. And collectively, as followers of God, we have a purpose in life. And the purpose is not us. In fact, here's our purpose. Our purpose is to have an outward focus. A healthy church has an outward focus, and from the beginning, when we had just a few people meeting over at the club in New Territory, and I've seen so many of you today, and I saw some Thursday at the West End campus, and I've seen so many people even at the high slips down at the Missouri City campus, that the ideal here is that we're not here for ourselves. I just want you to hear, we're not here to grow a big church. We never thought we'd grow any church. Our our idea was that we would indeed reach those far from God that were living the difficult, broken life that we're all living, but they'd have the hope to know that God loved them, cared for them, is with, with with was with them. And that God was going to take care of them. And so we had this deal. In fact, when Jesus rose from the dead, he gave this commission to the church. He said, This, go and make disciples. This is your purpose go and make disciples. You don't exist for yourself. He's telling the first century believers this, go and make disciples. Don't, don't get in a holy huddle and stay here in Jerusalem. But go and make disciples, and he says, of the, all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then teach them. Teach them to obey. Teach them all the commandments I've given you. Teach them to follow me, right? And then he gives this encouragement. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to continue my redemptive work through you. I don't know if you know this or not, but the reason you exist, the purpose that you have in life as a follower of God is so that other people might experience the redemption and the forgiveness and the grace that comes with Jesus Christ. I know you thought you were here to be a plumber or a lawyer or something else, but God didn't create you to do that. That's what you do so you can afford to do the real work that God's led you to do, and that's to make a difference in people's lives. From time to time... um, we lose our focus. And over the 25-year period, we've we've not always been healthy. We've had some periods where your pastor just kind of got off track. Uh, Those years at Dulles High School, if you were here, were tough years. And they were tough years because I somehow had convinced myself that I was doing God a favor by being on his team. And I got so puffed up with self that we just lost way, and God wouldn't have it, man. He did us something so great. He disciplined us, and we almost died out there. We call those years at Dulles the walk in the wilderness. I don't know how we survived it, quite frankly. So health's been important to us, and when we lose it, we know it. In fact, we all know in our own life when we've lost our health kind of which way it goes. And the purpose of our church isn't to perpetuate itself. The purpose of our church, in other words, we exist for those who are not here. I mean, think about an organization that we, like that. We, we exist for people who don't believe. And I know you thought we existed for you and me, but we don't. This is how we can rise above our own personal preferences and that we can stay on mission and be on mission because when you're on mission, you're a part of something bigger than yourself. From time to time, it doesn't happen very much anymore, but from time to time, I've had people, usually old religious people, I don't know why they pick on me so much and uh, come up and say, well how pastor, how big you want your church to be? And I'm thinking to myself, Why well, I, I wish it would stop growing right before you got here. And uh <laughs> But I didn't I don't Lisa has taught me not to say things like that out loud anymore. That's kind of what happens in churches. We You've been a part of a toxic church possibly or an unhealthy church where it's about us and our preferences or our denomination or our, our traditions or our practices or all that. And you forget why you're doing all those things. And boy, I just don't want to do that. I, I never thought we'd grow any church. And so I, don't, I know we got a, a lot of people coming here and on our three campuses, but that's not the goal. The goal is that we'd have more people come and believe in Jesus. So one day in heaven, we can celebrate forever with them that we really do care about the folks that don't believe today, and we are rallying all of our resources, and all of our energy, and all of our talent, so that people who currently don't even care about God, but we know God cares about them, will will come to believe at some point because you invite them over for dinner, or you care about them enough to 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 help them move or to. Help them in a tough time that they'll say, maybe God is for real. Now, we want our faith to grow deep, but we want it to grow deep so we care and our heart is broken for those things that God's heart is broken for, and that is the people are struggling, but we cannot lose our way. A healthy church is a church on purpose, and our purpose are people that are not here. We make decisions all the time based on who's not here, not based on who is here. This is what Jesus did. Here's what he said. He said, This. He said, He said something. There it is. He said, The Son of Man came to seek and save those that are lost. That's his whole purpose. So, if we're going to be a healthy church, we're a mission. Put that on the board. We are a mission. It's coming. There it is. We're a mission. We're not a destination. We're a mission. This is why it's uncomfortable to be here at River Point or West End, because we want you to be a part of the mission. You can't just sit and soak. We know the great music, and it's amazing. Wasn't Liz incredible today? Wow. And the chubby pastor, he's okay, but it's not enough. It's not enough. Once you've seen it, you've seen it. But what is life-giving to you as a follower of Jesus is to see life change, is to be a part, to be in the parking lot at one of our campuses or an usher or a greeter or working and helping. And you can see people who walk in for the first time and they're nervous. People usually don't go to church for the first time on their best day. They're usually struggling and they say, okay, I've tried everything else. I think I'll try church. And we're ready for them. We have signs and start here pavilions and caring people that will help and We're praying like crazy that when they come, they'll feel the love of Jesus somehow by being a part of this deal. And this is why we come. We see it in Jesus's life for sure. Now, religious people don't get this. In fact, there's this great story. I love this. Here's what it says. And Jesus passed by. He saw Levi, who was Matthew, okay? Matthew, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, hey, Matthew or Levi, come follow me. Come on, come and follow me. Now, this wasn't the first interaction that That Jesus had with Matthew, but it was sort of the one where he said, okay, come on, leave your job basically and come follow me. And he said to him, come follow me. And and then Matthew did. He rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table in his house, so Jesus goes over to Matthew's house and he's reclining at the table. Now look what happened to the religious folks. There were many tax collectors and sinners there reclining with Jesus and his disciples. There were many who followed him. Now, what I want you to notice here, and I've said this before, but I think it's hilarious, is there were sinners, which you all can relate to. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We get it. But then there was a special class of sinner called the tax collector. It wasn't just that. Jesus was hanging out with sinners. Oh, no, 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 no. He was hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. And the reason tax collectors were so hated is because they were Jewish people empowered by the Roman government to take taxes from the Jewish people, their own people. And they used that power to rob the Jewish people. They were crooked and they were the most detestable people to the Jewish folks because they had all the power and they took all the money. And so they were sinners and then... There were tax collectors. And you see the picture here. Jesus was reclining at the table with the worst of the worst. And here's what happened, right? Uh, And so there were many of them. And the scribes, religious people, and the Pharisees, religious people, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and you know who? The tax collectors. You know those people? You know those people? Yeah, I know those people. Said to his disciples why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? They didn't get it. You know why they didn't get it? This is why a lot of churches don't get it. It's because church folk hang out with church folk, the righteous with the righteous. And they're over there doing this righteous thing. And if we can be all together doing the righteous thing, we can talk about the unrighteous. You know, those folks. I'm sure they were saying, you know, a bunch of, bunch of Pharisees got together and go, oh, did you see what Jesus is doing? Mm-hmm. He's eating with the sinners, not only the sinners. He's eating with the tax collectors. Say it ain't so. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought he was from God. I thought he was a rabbi, but look what he's doing. And then they say this. I'm not sure of this. I'm making this part up. But They say things like, we ought to pray for Jesus. <laughs> Because when religious people want to gossip, they always throw that at the end of it. You know, let's pray for Jesus. He's hanging out with that. They just didn't get it because they consider themselves better than the other people. And churches fall into this trap. So anytime we look at anybody else and think somehow we got a special place with God, we've missed mercy, grace, and compassion that comes with Jesus and the cross. I'm telling you. And so this is what happened. They didn't get it. They thought they were righteous because of their acts. And so what happened is, those who are, will have no... So, I'm sorry. When Jesus heard this, he overheard them. He said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have come not to call the righteous, but the sinners. So if Jesus' is purpose, and we're the hands and the feet, we're the body of Christ, we're the church... Then what's our focus? What's our purpose? It's the sinners. It's the outsider. It's the one that haven't received the gift of forgiveness, that haven't believed that Jesus died for them. That's our whole purpose. That's what we get criticized for. Religious people, churches criticize us because we're hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. Heck, I'm having a cigar with them. And people don't like that. It's like, no, our whole purpose is so that people who don't believe would come to believe. That's why we exist. And I know you think church is for worship. It is. Corporate worship allows us to understand we're part of something bigger, reminds us of the goodness of God. It's it's transcendent when we hear singing like that. It just moves our soul in some way, but that's not our purpose. That's one of our tasks. You might think it's Bible study, and so Bible churches get cranked up, and it's about teaching, 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 teaching. Well, I'm not smart enough to do that. So that's task, but it's not our purpose. Or prayer, that's a task. It's not our purpose. Our purpose is so that people who aren't disciples would become disciples. That's the way it is. And so when you're on mission, a couple of amazing things happen. And this is one of them. You sacrifice for others. When you're on mission, you're able to say no to yourself. Like a mission as a parent, right? When you're a parent, what happens is you have to say no to yourself because your child is a black hole of need. And when you're on mission, right? You say no to yourself. Or when you get married, Or when you have a job that's bigger than yourself and all of a sudden this is what gives you meaning and significance and purpose. This is what gives you joy and happiness. It's not you getting all that you got. It's about you making the biggest impact for the kingdom of God that you can make. So so we have to come to a place in our life where we're saying no to ourselves. And that's why we've had capital campaign after capital campaign after capital campaign. Over 25 years, we've put about $65 million worth of buildings on the ground so that people could come, gather, be encouraged, and hear the story of Jesus. And it's because you sacrificed. It's because we all came together and said no to ourselves for periods of time when we could say, you know what we could be doing with all that money? And all of a sudden, it makes sense to us. It'll make a lot of sense when we get to heaven. Because when you get to heaven, I'm not sure about this. Again, this is the part I make up. But when, I, when we get to heaven, I just don't, maybe, I don't know. But I just don't know that they're going to say, great job. You make vice president. You know, way to go. You are so stinking wealthy. Way to go. I don't think that's going to happen. I, maybe, I don't know. Way to go. You were the pastor of a church. Way to go. I don't, mm mm-mm. I think somewhere along the lines, again, I daydream a lot. They're going to say, hey, Patrick, come here. I want to introduce you to 4,000 people that gave their life to Christ. And we'll have all eternity to meet them and hear their story. We won't be hurrying off to some baseball game. We'll just be able to say, tell me your story. They said, well, I was living out there by your church and I got down and somebody invited me and I heard the story and I believed and I've never been the same since. And and, and we're gonna get to hear those stories because we sacrificed and said no to ourselves and something amazing happened. Then in heaven, here's my dream, we go play golf at Augusta I mean, that's, that's about me. I'm sorry. I just threw that in there. I thought that would help. So a healthy church, and here I'll finish. A healthy church has an outward focus. Here's another thing a healthy church does. It shows compassion. And we have been really good at this. Led by Bob Page and Terrace Clayton and our campus pastors like Abe Matos and Nathan Bryant. Man, we, we, we've shown up for the single parent and those that are recovering from some sort of natural disaster and victims of sex trafficking or the homeless. And we, we we haven't done this perfectly and we haven't solved anybody's problem, I promise you. But we've helped people who've been oppressed, who've been incarcerated. We've helped people that have been kicked to the curb by the culture because they're not good looking enough or they don't have enough. We've been able to show compassion to people who have been uh, uh, hurt by the system by the country by prejudice we've been able to be salt and light in ways not in every way And we're, there's always more we can do but I'm really happy with the charge that we've done that we're compassionate we can never forget that we are the salt and light we are the compassionate the heart of God to a dying world that's dark. And we get to show up in a ways that say there's hope. There's hope. There's hope. So I just want to say thank you. I'm so grateful for people like Dean King, who partners with me as the executive pastor and runs the operation, and Tanya Whitaker, who, who runs our ministries, and all the staff that we have, and people in the past like Greg Bielen and... Matt Barnhill and other people that have joined. There's so many people that have come alongside of a young 32-year-old pastor and said, Hey, I want to help. Guys like Cliff McDaniel and Kirk Townsend and Kevin Garland. Men that didn't look at me as their pastor, but they looked at me as their friend. You see, that's the body of Christ. That's the thing that happens is we come together and God did something. And all we have to do is show up. And if we'll just keep showing up, who knows what will happen in the future. So if you're new, jump on board. I don't know what the next 25 years is going to be. It could be a complete disaster. (laughs) There ain't no guarantees. But if we die, because we don't live to perpetuate ourselves, if we die, we will die trying to help people find Jesus. That's what we're going to do. And I'm just honored to be able to be a part of this story. And so thank you for putting up with me. Let's pray together and let's ask God to continue to use us. God, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you for these 25 years. I thank you for my wife who has done so much behind the scenes that only you know what she's done to make this church work. And for all the men and women that have given their money, their time, their effort, their expertise, just so that others could know, we're honored indeed that you are a redemptive God and you've chosen us to be your redemptive work. May we be faithful in all that. May we be faithful. And may you prepare every community that surrounds West End Missouri City, and Richmond, may you draw all men to yourself, that people would be prepared to hear the story of Jesus, and that, God, you would continue to use us until you return so that others might know the love that's found in Christ. So thank you for these 25 years. We're grateful for all that you've given us. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.